Hello, and welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Peter Bill will be continuing his sermon series, A Wise Man Once Said, with the power of your thought life. Negative thoughts will never give you a positive life. Caroline Leaf goes on to say, Whatever, wherever your mind goes, your brain follows. And whatever you're thinking about will grow. That's an amazing thought. Whatever you're thinking about will grow. Whatever you're thinking about will grow. Whatever you meditate on, whatever you chew over, whatever you're, you know, you're going to sleep at night in the last, the last few minutes of consciousness and what are you thinking about then? Because it's, it's those thoughts that in, the, in just the, the deep recesses of your mind, it's those thoughts that will grow. So what's your dominant thought? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we could really go, go through the congregation and we could go through each person like Kev and, and Cheryl and Jax and Renee and we could like put some sort of a, 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 uh, an x-ray machine on their brain and find out what is their dominant thoughts, we could tell what they're going to be like in two years' time, five years' time. Why? Because the Bible says you become like your dominant thought. So we've got to have a look at what our dominant thoughts are because our dominant thoughts take us in a particular direction. Here's a story I've told before, but I'll tell it again because it's a great story. And if you're first time in the church, then you don't need to know that I've already told it before. You can just act there and just go, wow, that's a great story. At the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, they've devised planes that fly by thought. And so they shave the, the, the pilot's head and they put the, the helmet on and electrodes into his brain and the pilot controls the plane by thinking. So he's flying along and the, the, the pilot goes, I want to increase my altitude. And so the plane begins to cre- increase the altitude. Or the, pilot, the plane's flying along and the pilot goes, I want to bank left and the plane banks left. It was your left. I was, just, I was translating into your left. So the quality, the quality of the flight is determined by the quality of the thought life of the pilot. Now, the problem is that a lot of us would sit in the cockpit and be going, well, sure, this is a plane, but what about mountains? And the plane would just be slowly starting to head towards the mountains. And the more we talked about the mountains, see, I told you, I told you there was going to be mountains, there's mountains. Rather than changing our thinking, to be going, you know what, I need to soar up in faith. I need to bank right because God's telling me in the Word to bank right or to increase altitude. Instead, we all sit there and discuss the mountains and discuss how bad gravity is and whether gravity even exists. And all the while, the plane is banking to the left and heading towards the mountains. And then when we crash, we go, see, I told you. Whereas the Bible's saying, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thought life. So if you want to change your life in 2019, now this is not my wisdom, this is the wisdom from the Scriptures. But what I love about it, it's the wisdom from the Scriptures that have been backed up by psychologists, backed up by motivational speakers, backed up by Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi knew this stuff. So sure it comes from King Solomon, but take Obi-Wan Kenobi's word. You become like your dominant thought. If you want to change your life or your situation or your marriage or your finance or your children or anything in your world, change your dominant thought. See, I've tried to lose weight in my life. Uh, Highly successfully, I know, you can tell. 
But just occasionally I go, I need to lose some weight. Now, there's a weird thing about that. It's like fasting. Occasionally I fast. I love fasting. I hate fasting, but I love the idea of it, and I love doing it. I ha- no, I hate doing it, but I love doing it. Do you know what I mean? I love the prayer part of it. And I love being obedient to God and being obedient to the Word of God. I hate doing it. Right? Because I'm hungry. But, so, here's the deal, right? I don't eat breakfast. Never eat breakfast. Get up in the morning, never eat breakfast. Tomorrow morning, get out, never eat breakfast. Never eat breakfast, ever eat breakfast. Unless I take someone out for breakfast. Like Caleb, Caleb and I do breakfast occasionally. What do we do? We eat. We eat bacon and eggs. But I generally don't eat breakfast. At home, don't eat breakfast. The minute. If I say Sunday night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast this week. By 10.30 in the morning, let me tell you, I have the, the pangs of anorexia have taken hold of my life. I'm in the fetal position on the bathroom floor weeping for some sort of food. I just want a piece of broccoli. Like, bring me any food. Like, I would even eat cauliflower if I had to. I mean, I, look, I'm dying here. And it's 10.30 on Monday morning. It's the same thing when I die. When I go, okay, I'm not, you know why? Because my brain goes, okay, I'm not going to eat food. And my whole brain goes, you want food. And you're thinking food, you want food, you're focused on food. And so you become like your dominant thought. That's why I look like a can of Coke. All right. His, his. No, I am recyclable. From, from the dust I came and from the dust I will return. Thank you. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Here's a quote. What you are thinking now is creating your future life. You create your thought life with your thoughts because you are always thinking, you are always creating. And when, what you think about the most or focused on the most is what will appear in your life. Now, Let's have a look. Have you ever really thought about how powerful your imagination is, your thought life is? Now, Pastor Murray spoke on this a bit in September, but in case you weren't there or you forgot, let me remind you. I could start describing to you right now the most amazing steak. I went to Argentina, best meat in the world. Amazing. You walk into Argentinian meat restaurant, and there's a restaurant called... um, Sica la vaca, which means follow the cow. Isn't that right? Is that right? Follow the cow. Beautiful. So you follow the cow, and the cow's in pieces, uh, <laughs> but all over this barbecue, and you walk in, and, and the, the smell and the juices and the meat and just the anticipation of what you are about to receive. Who's, who's mouth's watering right now? Yeah, some people. But you're not even in Argentina. Do you know why? Because in your brain, you started to think about a steak and what you imagine brought physical changes to your body. That's the power of your imagination, that your physical body responds to your brain. Uh, you know, they were saying the other day, I was doing a whole stack of reading, that your brain can't tell between what really happened and what you imagined. So, I mean, have you, have you ever woken up and you've had a, such a vivid dream and you're actually upset during the day because your dream felt like it was real. I remember one time on the radio, this, this man rang up and he said, I'm in trouble. My, wife's, uh, my, my girlfriend's upset, my wife's upset with me. And the radio goes, so what happened? And she dreamed that some guy was flirting with her and the guy didn't, in the dream, protect her. So she woke up upset with him. And he's going, all I did was lie here all night. But in her mind, because it was real, 
Because your brain can't determine the difference between real and imagined. And that's why sometimes you wake up from a very vivid dream and you're sweating. You're, you're, I mean, you're in the fight or flight position. Uh, why? Because your, your imagination is so real to your body. Emotionally, if we, we look at some photos and, and, and uh, if we, we go back in our memory, we access that in our memory and, and it changes it, it can affect us emotionally. We look at old photos. Your destiny, as a man thinks in his heart, so he sees. Your sense of self. Who's ever been told in their life that you don't, you're not going to amount to anything? I mean, I've talked with, with people in my, in my life. I'm not a counsellor, but in my life as a pastor, the amount of people I've sat down and they've gone, you know what? Mr Pickering, when I was in fifth class, told me that I'd never amount to anything and I'd probably end up in jail and that's all I hear. Or my dad, when I was growing up, my dad always told me I was fat. And so even though I'm now 60 kilos, in my brain, I still think I'm fat. And I stand in front of the mirror and I see a fat person. Yeah, but you're not a fat person. Yes, but my brain tells me I'm fat. Why does your brain tell you? Because my dad told me when I was five that I was fat. Psychologists say that we think at 1,300 words a minute, which is funnily enough about as fast as I'm about to start talking because I'm running out of time. 1,300 words a minute. Your brain, your self-talk is going on, 1,300 words a minute. And if you've been told in your past that you're fat, that you're not going to amount to anything and all that kind of deal, all your internal dialogue here is you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror, what do you think? I'm fat. Or I'm not going to amount to anything. Or I, I'm no good as a person. Or I can't preach. Or I can't sing. Or I can't do whatever it is that I want to do in life. And so we're held back because of our self-talk from something that happened. Why? Because... It was spoken into our imagination, into our thinking. Yeah, they, they did a, a, an experiment in, in a university in Washington and they got, they got three teams of basketballers and they got this team of basketballers over here and they said, okay, and they were all, about, they were all college basketballers, so all about the same kind of skill set. And they said to this uh, bunch of, of basketballers, we want you to practice 20 minutes a day for the next six weeks. That's great, no problems. Then they said to this bunch of basketballers, we want you to sit there on the sidelines for 20 minutes every day and think about your practising. Like imagine, imagine you, you're bouncing the ball, imagine you're darting, you've, you've left, right, and then imagine you, you've got the posture, you've got the posture right, imagine just, just throwing the ball and imagine the ball going the trajectory and it goes straight through the hoop, no net. I want you to think about that for 20 minutes. Then this bunch of college basketballers, they said, we just don't want you to do anything. Then they were college basketballers. They went, yeah, okay, we can do that. So after six weeks, they tested the basketballers. And the guys that had practised every day had improved. They, 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 they tested the guys that had done no practice and they hadn't improved. But the guys that had done no physical practice, but they just rehearsed it in their brains, had improved more than the ones that actually did the physical practice. You know why? Because your body can't determine the difference between what you imagine and reality. Now, if we really get this scripture, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, we would be brutal on what we think about. We would be so careful as to, to what we're giving our thought life to because you become like your dominant thought. So we have to be very careful. I preached, and I think uh, Caleb preached a bit on it too. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. As a, uh, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. We need to put a guard at the, at the entrance to our mind. And we need to be so careful what we allow our mind to dwell on. 
Let me give you a few scriptures. There was a, a story. I'm going to have five minutes over, okay? We're going to finish at 10.35. So everyone relax. There's a scripture, and I'm just going to read. The, the, the children of Israel had come out of uh, 400 years of bondage to, to the Egyptians. And they go across a few days' journey to the edge of the, the, the Jordan River. And there's a, there's a land that's been promised them. It's their prophesied land. God is with them. I mean, you've got to get this. God has done these amazing, like 10 plagues. There was lice and there was, there was, there was cane toads and there was darkness and there was the death of the firstborn. I mean, God was demonstratively with them. Then they come out and they go across the Red Sea and they get to the edge of the Red Sea. The Red Sea opens up. They go across on dry land. Then the Red Sea closes up and covers all the, all, all the Egyptian army and they all die. And then there's like a cloud, of, uh, a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They get to the edge of the joy. I mean, there's so much going on in their life. You would think that they know God is with them, right? That's my point. They get to the Jordan River. They send out 12 spies to check out the land that God says, well, I'm going to give you this land. Okay, so you kind of think they're, they're right on board. They go out into the land and in the land, there's the giants of Anak. Now, I'm not going to get into a big long story about this, but let me tell you something. What happened was in Noah's day, the demons uh, actually... Oh, don't worry about what happened. Anyway, I just assume there's giants of Anak. I won't get into that because that'll open up a can of worms and we're running out of time. Uh, so the giants of Anak, ungodly people. And so the 12 spies go out to spy out the land. And when they come back, this is their report in, in Numbers 13 and verses 26 to 33. And I won't read you the whole scripture, but verse 33 says, this is 10 of the 12 spies. 10 spies brought a bad report. They said, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and grasshoppers in their sight. Now, did they ask any of the giants what they thought of them. But they are projecting their insecurity and inferiority onto the giants of Anak. Now, go forward 40 years. Because what happens is they, walk, they have to walk in the wilderness for 40 years. Go forward 40 years, what happens? They send some more spies out to Jericho and they, send the, they go up to, to Rahab the prostitute's house and Rahab says, we know about you, we know about your God and we are fearful. Right? For 40 years, the giants of Anak weren't saying to these people, you are like grasshoppers. The giants of Anak know about God, know about the children of Israel, and they were fearful. But what stopped the children of Israel going over into the promised land was the grasshopper mentality. As you think in your hearts, as you think in your brain, so are you. Your focus becomes your reality. And so these guys said, we can't go over and take the promised land, even though God is so demonstratively with us because we have a problem. And the problem is the two things, that the thing between our two ears. That's our thinking. Because you, you think about this, how much the, 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 the Old Testament would have changed if those 12 spies, those 10 negative spies had have gone over and said, you know what? We can do this because God's with us. Completely different story than the story that's there. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as the musos come back, I want to quickly give you, I was going to go through that the mind is the battlefield where the devil wages war. I was going to give you some scriptures about that. But let me just give you some practicals for how to think better. Two minutes. Read scripture. If you have a problem with your thinking, 
Get into Scripture. Romans talks about the washing of the water of the Word, that you allow the water of the Word to flow over your mind. You know, I've, I've had, uh, when I was in university, I had a fear issue. And uh, it was a real demonic attack, and it was an attack for probably two years. Real fear issue. I used to wake up at night and sweat. And it, was a real, it was a real demonic thing that, that was going on in my world. And, you know, I took a hold of 2 Timothy 1.7, that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. And I quoted that scripture, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night, God's not giving me a spirit of fear. And, and I washed my mind with that scripture. I battled the devil with that scripture. But where did I battle him? I battled him in my mind until I got, until I got the victory. So to allow our, uh, uh, the, the war of the word to wash over our mind. That's number one. Number two. Wonderful. Can we go through to the list, Paula, at the end there? Capture negative thoughts and commit to positive thinking. If you're pulling away from someone and you go, you know, I had coffee with, with, with Sam and Katie. I don't like the way Sam has his beard kept. <laughs> you know, when you, when you, when you find... Like, you've just got that negative thought. And you might be pulling away from church and you go, you know what? I didn't like Peter's preaching this morning. Don't allow negativity. I mean, no one would ever think that. I'm just making something up. I know that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, don't allow just even, even like apparently incidental, just small negative thoughts. Don't, don't give power to negativity. Don't dwell on negativity at all. Yeah, because we can, we can all be negative. And you know what? There's a, the, this is a problem. Negativity is really easy. And negativity takes no effort and is often pleasurable. I don't know. Should we really be praying over an Aboriginal flag in church? Oh, it got political. Shouldn't we, oh, should we pray over it? And, and we, can just, we can just go down a path. And instead, look for the positives in everything. I mean, I don't mind the way Sam kept his beard. He's a, he's a, he's a ginger ninja. I mean, we stick together. I mean, we, we just... Went. And so I, I, I encourage you, don't, don't allow any... Like, even incidental negatives. I mean, you're watching the cricket. The guy gets run out. And you think he didn't. Don't sit there and be negative to the referee. Like, I'm, what, what I'm saying is... What I'm saying is... It's... it's what I'm saying is it's really easy. It's really easy to go, oh, well, obviously I don't want to criticise people. Well, don't start with the referee. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and because what happens is it's the thin edge of the wedge. We, we get a little bit negative here and a little bit negative there. We get a little bit negative. And all of a sudden we find out that our mind's filled with negativity. Be a positive person. What Caroline Leaf said at the start, you, you aren't going to have a positive life from negative thoughts. Okay, let's keep going. I'm just wrapping up. The clock's wrong. I'm wrapping up. This is how, to get, this is how to, to get in charge of your thinking. Have bigger dreams, and in particular, have something to look forward to. Number four, maintain positive relationships. Hang around positive people. That's why I love hanging around Murray. He's a positive person. He's always got some story to tell of something that happened, and they, they almost died in a plane, but God came through. And I mean, he's got some great stories. Great positivity. Hang around positive people. Ask God to protect your thinking. Restructure your digital life. Let me tell you something. Here, I'm gonna, here here's a revelation, right? Right? Watch this. No way. You can put down your phone and it's probably going to help your life. Restructure the digital world. Find ways to stretch your thinking. Travel to different cultures. Look at your mental diet. What are you exposing your brain to? Listen to your inner dialogue. Is it helpful? If not, change it. Maybe you need to see counsel. If, if you've got an issue, let me tell you something. 
If you've got an issue, I've got something in my brain that I really need to stop. I've got something in my brain that a guy said to me when I was working, I was working for him, he was mowing lawns and I was in year 12, and he said something to me that was super positive. But that plays in my brain over and over. And it's been amazing how just something he said has been just, like, it was just a throwaway line for him, but it was super positive, and, and it really inspires me. Even today, I'm 49, this was when I was in year 12. And I know also, though, because Melanie grew up in a family that wasn't positive. And some of the things that were said to her at times play over in her mind now, even though she's not, I mean, she's not middle-aged yet. She's just an older young person. She just, turned, she just turned 45, right? She's struggling a bit. But anyway. I sure hope the TV doesn't have sound on out in the lobby because I'm in trouble. After, I'm in trouble. I am just in... Anyway. She looks good for 45, though, doesn't she? Yeah, see? That's what you need to tell her. Anyway. My point is that, that even things that happen... If that's you, if you have issues from your child, get them dealt with. Go and see David. David's a, I was going to say a real counsellor. Well, he is. He's a real counsellor. Proper counsellor. Go and see David. He'll fix it up. Okay, let's, let's finish up. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, Lord, the challenge this morning about our thinking. Lord, we, we, we want to think better. Father's a man thinks in his heart, so he said, God, we want to live out that scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I was going to have some time praying for people, if, uh, and, and I'll still do that, but we'll dismiss church because I know I've gone over a little bit, uh, but we did a lot of other stuff. Uh, if you've got a, a bad thinking problem and you'd love some prayer, we've got the prayer team, we've got the prophetic hope team, we've got the prayer team, myself, we'll lay hands on you and help you think better in 2019. Bless you. We're going to just sing three lines of a song and then encourage you to have food and fellowship in the Cafe Esperanza. I think the special today is Tex-Mex, which is very Australian. <laughs> it's like Pavlova and Lamingtons. They were Kiwi. We own them now. It's like Tex-Mex, was Mexican. It's now Australian. So happy Australia Day weekend. Bless you. Let's stand as we finish off. Thanks, Hope guys. you enjoyed that message. Have a blessed week.